Wakey, wakey, Iggy Biggy. Tis the Smart Coast Morning Show. Blasting awesome sauce all over your interwebs. Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Smodcast this morning show, Tuesday Left Coast Edition. I am a host, uh, <laughs> you, and I'm here with another host, Marty, Bill Watterson. You belong to everybody. You're the everyman of podcasting. <laughs> that's, that's not a, a compliment. That sounds like... It's not a compliment? I don't know. It's a sounds... Everyman? Yeah. Well, anyhow. Accessible. If you happen to be respected. on uh, this Modcast... Uh, internet radio app and you're like who the fuck are these guys these yahoos these everymen of podcasts well we're just two guys who managed to weasel uh, some some uh, internet time uh so thank you for joining us i didn't know about this app well no i mean it's just what plays on the front page of Come on, still some people just keep it on um if you want to join in with the conversation keep because it on. Uh, we could use your help. Uh, no, we always like the input from the audience. You can tweet us at Nooner Dan Marty because that makes perfect sense. Or you can email us at noonerpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr page, which is tuesdaysmornings.tumblr.com. But unfortunately, uh, Darren, who is Darren one of the. Husted. Husted. Darren uh, Husted. Is one of the, uh, the maintainers of that page. Um, he is in hospital, I believe. Ooh. So, uh, Darren, if you're listening, hospital. we wish you the best. Yeah, and let any us idea know. What's, what the I don't story know is? what the, the story is. Uh, give us a status update if you're around. Come back strong. Um, yes, come back strong, and yes, get well soon. And Tyson uh, might be joining us. Uh, he also co-maintains the page, but we'll see what happens. But of course, the big news is we uh, lost a, a comedic hero yesterday. We did. Um, we did, and it was actually really it's more than just comedy. But yes, I mean, it was really, really sad for those you don't know who where he started from. He was a, a, a club comic, uh, Robin Williams. Of course, we're talking about. He came out of Chicago, or was born in Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. Yeah, he he came from a, a pretty well-off family, from yeah. what I hear. Juilliard. Uh, yes, he went to Juilliard, uh, and then, but all at the same time, he was doing comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, was famous for. Um, being a, a great improviser, and according to Henry Winkler, like they were, sh- they uh, Gary Marshall's son said, "Hey, Dad." Uh, Gary Marshall was the the head writer, the, the executive producer of Happy Days, and uh, in 1978 said, "Hey, Dad, uh, let's. What if uh, Fonzie meets an alien?" <laughs> And normally when <laughs> your, your kid says something like that, you say, shut up. But if you uh, thank God he was listening. Yes. If you're Gary Marshall's kid. Yeah. So but really, we all have Gary Marshall's kid to thank for. Was it? It was really what if Fonzie meets an alien? Yeah. As a kid saying what if Fonzie meets and an so, alien. And um, so they wrote a plot line where Fonzie meets an alien and they could not find the alien to uh, play him. And so... Um, you know, they, a, a sitcom, a multi-camera sitcom, they rehearse all week and then they have uh, a shoot day and happy days happen to shoot on Fridays. And as of Wednesday, they had not yet cast their alien. Um, and then they brought in uh, that afternoon, I think they brought in Robin Williams and mm-hmm. he killed it. And he was just this amazing, amazing energy and uh, powerhouse on stage. Um, so, uh, 
you will be missed, Robin Williams. But I do want to uh, continue talking about it. But uh, so then in 78, he was given his own uh, later in uh, that was in February of 78. And then by that fall, he, spin-off. They, he got his own spinoff um, where they, they took that character and just magic, like the same silly outfit that he had on the mm-hmm. red, red jumpsuit with the triangle on it. Silver glasses. And then they, or, uh, gloves, Sorry. silver gloves. Yeah, and no then coffee. They, they just uh, transported him to modern day Boulder. <laughs> it went from Milwaukee, <laughs> but I guess if you're an alien, you can travel like that, right? You well, know, time. Yeah, and he ages backwards. According, the, the rules of time and space don't apply, right? Uh, and then in '79, they they put out uh, his his comedy album, his first comedy album. Um, it was a uh, was a reality. What a concept! And I, did you did you? Listen to comedy albums when you were a kid? Not a lot. My main ex- I never owned one, not a single one. My uh-huh. main exposure to comedy albums was at summer camp, um, Camp Adnac, which is Canada spelled backwards, in Manitoulin Island, Canada. And, um, <laughs> Clever. Actually, it's Canada spelled backwards no matter where you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but especially there. <laughs> and the kids, that's where I was first exposed to the Grateful Dead, which I always thought was heavy metal until I heard it and I realized it was dog shit folk. Um, and the kids uh, listened heavily to Bill Cosby and Eddie Murphy. The kids that I could relate to listened to Bill Cosby because it was PG. Kids I could not relate to listened to Eddie Murphy because it was rated R and it made me um, sad and guilty and feel weird. Really? Yeah. Oh, because you were a, you were a, a little nerd. Yeah, it was too much too soon. Um, yeah, I. But those those honestly, that was my only exposure to comedy comedy records. I. I know, I know George Carlin has a legendary one. Rod sure. Williams has a couple legend, but I just I don't know them. And then I, I was a big uh, Steve fan Martin. of Steve Martin, so yeah. I had Wild and Crazy Guy, Comedy's Not Pretty, and Reality. What a concept! And and you know he uh, Robin Williams won a Grammy for that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and, but it didn't have the same impact, uh, the same way that people would re-listen to Eddie Murphy and, and Richard Pryor. And, and, it, and I don't remember that one being quoted. I mean, I no, know, even well, the albums I didn't have, the, I knew people were quoting. The like thing crazy. about, um, well, he did a, a fair, famous thing about Shakespeare, um, like where he was doing Hamlet in there, and it's very, very funny. Um, uh, but it's he wasn't the most quotable comic. You know, he wasn't the the guy who came up with this, these uh, one-liners, uh, these one-liners, and and then these great, brilliantly structured stories with with like showing life's inanities or whatever. He would just riff, mm-hmm. and you know, if a fly passed him in the microphone, you know, you know, as he's talking, he would not let that go without you know making a comment about it. If you mm-hmm. if you watch his uh, first uh, show, um, first Tonight Show appearance in 1981. Uh, you can look it up um, with Johnny Carson. Like he's so he's admittedly nervous. He's just like I'm so nervous. And then, or, or in his way, I, I'm not going to do an impression. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and he's commenting on the the boom mic above him and and just everything around him. And it's just this incredible nervous energy that is also really funny and and lo- lovable. But I just didn't. I, I wouldn't say he's the 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 brain comedy. Right. You know, the brain did um, did Carson invite him over to sit down? No, he was he was already sitting. I mean, it was he wasn't there as a stand-up. He was oh, there as the, as the star of, of Mork got, and Mindy. Got it, got yeah, it, got it, and he he was on many times. Uh, and then uh, Conan was a big fan. I mean, he he did the he was great in the stand-ups uh, in yeah. the in the uh, late night show circuit. Um, I always thought with him um, the way he was whenever he was interviewed. When you see when you, when you see any of his performances, you're seeing energy. You're seeing a mania. You're seeing a real presence. I mean, it, 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 
and by that I mean he is present in every moment, right? Um, as evidenced by what you're saying. Uh, but I also always thought of him. I, I thought he would be really difficult to be around because he seemed like he was just constantly on and so uh, manic. But at the everybody same time, who's coming out to say things about him just said that he was like really present, right. down to earth, and and uh, he seemed, he seems to be one of those few people. We were talking about this off air last week about reconnecting with um, uh, your the creative flow, right, right within right. you. He seems to be someone who just never had that thing turned off, ever. It just was always coming out of him. And it wasn't... You don't see him looking for the next thing to say or think about or come out with. It's just coming out of him at all times. Right, right. Um, and then, which also helps you understand his his demons as well, a little of course. bit, you know. Um <laughs> But it is funny to think that, like, okay, Gary Marshall's kid said, hey, Daddy, can we put a, you know, actually, I think that Gary Marshall's son was in this band called Chavez. Are you familiar with it? And, yeah, he was the bass player, I think, for Chavez or drummer or something like I that. I didn't know that. But, yeah. yeah and, they were uh, huge when I was in the indie rock scene in Dublin in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, they, they were great. They were really good. Um, um, I think I saw them, was, I, I think I either saw them open for, play with, or back Bonnie Prince Billy. Oh, Nice. Nice. Somehow those bands are yeah they seem to have a similar sort of vibe crossover. You know? um, but if you think about like okay Fonzie meets an alien, we're lucky that they hired uh, Robin Williams, or else there would be a term instead of jumping the shark, it would be pulling a mork, <laughs> right. you know, um, meeting meeting the alien. Yeah, yeah, meeting a mork. Uh, oh man, remember when they met the alien on uh, How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> oh, God. That, that's that show really met the alien this season. So really, the problem with Happy Days is that they didn't cast a good shark. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, um, had they had found Jim Carrey there and to play the shark, it would be a totally different thing. It Happy would, Days would, would still be else, on the right. air. <laughs> still be spawning spinoffs. Um, Morgan Binney only lasted what three or four seasons. I um, loved it. It was great. Yeah, absolutely, it was playful. It was silly. And, and I mean, Jonathan I Winters and Robin Williams. And I loved Pam Dauber. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, she so was fantastic. He, great straight woman. Uh, yeah, she was great straight woman and hot. And uh, in the latter season, I think it's the last season, um, Jonathan Winters played their child, mm -hmm. and they. And, and of course, Mork is the one who is pregnant. Oh right, gives right. birth, and it's uh, it's a to an egg. It's a uh, what do you call it? Um, a Benjamin Button sort of thing. So they they age backwards, right? And uh, what you couldn't there'd be no one else to cast. No, no, and and, and of course most perfect casting uh, um, of all time. And you can go online. There's a, a great uh, thing with uh, Jonathan Winters and Robin Williams on the Tonight Show together, and oh, they I'd just love to see that. it's just like nonstop, <laughs> like <laughs> like just this incredible force, and you just think like. Wow, that must have been an amazing set to be on with a Robin uh, with Mork and Mindy, but also like just exhausting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to the next setup. Right. No, no, no. We're no, still no, got, we, we still, we still got more. We just started mining this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they both had they both had demons. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Winters, Winters was he very um, depressed. He suffered from depression. He um, had yeah, some multiple personality disorder uh yeah yes he did i think yeah and then he had ect electroconvulsive therapy mm. and um but you know he if you want to hear more about that i would suggest just turning us off <laughs> and uh, close the app you close the app and go to the wtf app um mark Marin interviewed him and it was just a really neat interview um uh jonathan winters oh and also uh the current wtf is is uh 
Robin Williams. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. We're revisiting the 2010 interview with him. Um, and so he went on to, uh, in, while he was doing Morgan Mindy, he wanted to expand and tap into that Juilliard training. And, uh, he did the world according to Garp. Mm. Um, and another film I might've seen a little too early. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, haunts yeah. me a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Just because someone got their dick chopped off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that would have haunted me regardless, <laughs> but uh, I just saw I saw it too early. I wasn't ready for infidelity and sex, and I just wasn't ready for the, the updike yeah. lessons of life. Yeah, and also, you go in expecting to see Mork. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, but, I was definitely young enough that I really identified with actors. I remember really wanting to see Mosquito Coast because Han Solo was in it. I really <laughs> wanted to see Garp because Mork was in it. Right. And you, and, but he, you know, and I, I can't, you can't blame him for wanting to do this, but he went on to do things like, uh, Moscow and the Hudson mm-hmm. and Survivors, where he played this, uh, oh, I guess. I vaguely remember that. Is, yeah, is that was with Wal- John Belushi? No, it was with Walter Matthau. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and he plays the, does he play the straight guy in that? Or the survivalist. But anyhow, that was a little broad. But but then, you know, Dead Poet Society, Fisher King, Good Morning Vietnam, all these very, um, Sort of actor heavy roles. Fisher Good morning, King was genius. Yeah, I mean, he was one great of my favorite films. Um, and then you know he got uh, a, a couple Oscar nominations, and it's not really. Was he was in- born for doing animation voiceover with Aladdin, right? Well, th- it wasn't until Aladdin that you really got a return to form of like, oh, that's hey, there's right. more. Hey, he's back. Right, and the, you really only saw that in his talk show or comic relief or mm-hmm. his talk show appearances but in his actual acting roles he that was his big return to form and, and where it was that was great i mean and his mm-hmm. voice acting did he and then he what other, uh, he did did, did uh, you see the academy's tweet what no yesterday? what did they say it was a very very moving uh it was image from aladdin of um oh the hug aladdin hugging and then it said uh something like a quote from the film genie you're free or something like that Ooh, yeah yeah it's very moving um and also just sort of i saw it i was very moved by it and i, I obviously i think they meant you're, you're free from your demons and all these other things but it was also that sense of like god are we all just suffering until we can get the fuck out of here <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, um, and uh, he, did, was, of course, was in Happy Feet and um, uh, a Night at the Museum. So he did get some good, like, sort of comedic things. But Mrs. Doubtfire, and yeah, and, sure he, and he, he had, had a, a really um, good balance of of getting to do broad stuff. And then um, also he <laughs> he was in Shakes the Clown, uh, you know, with Bobcat. So like Bobcat was, a, they were friends because they did stand up and they were both like San Francisco, spent time in San Francisco. Um, and uh, I loved his line about uh, whenever there's an earthquake in San Francisco, it's God saying, get these condos off my back. <laughs> From which one? Uh, I I just heard it at oh. NPR on the drive in. Uh-huh. Every earthquake in San Francisco, oh, right. it's God saying, <laughs> get these condominiums <laughs> off my back. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, he, uh, so he shows up and shakes the clown, which is Bobcat's directorial debut. And he shows an uh, uncredited, like he, I think his name, uh, as an actor was like Marty Fromage or something like that. But, uh, Marty, you, well, I am in the credits of that movie. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I worked in uh, post-production on that. I didn't um, know that. And Adam Sandler was in it and Tom Kinney, all these like, is it worth revisiting? Oh, I think it's a, I think it's a, it, it's a pretty awesome movie. Okay. I mean, in its own way, it's, a, it's, 
Uh, I think I'm confusing it with Death to Smoochie right now. It's the Citizen Kane of alcoholic clown movies. Got it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it was really nice of him to show up for a day and do it a day of just improving. He just shows up. Period. But I have a lot of friends in the improv world and and UCB Upright Citizens Brigade world, and there my Facebook feed was just full of photos of the night Robin Williams showed up in the middle of my show. Yes, and played. He would come to, and he generously started, played. Like didn't show up to do. Like didn't take over a show. He would just show up and be part of the ensemble and play. And he started. He started doing that. Yeah, in the past. Uh, well, that's, I guess around like five years ago, he mm. would he would come up to UCB and, and, and do the Armando show at Improv Olympic. But he would, um, and which is so generous, and I think it was probably really fun for him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know he had a, a, a reputation on the stand up circuit of being a, a joke thief, and really, yeah, and it, it's kind of unfair because, like I was saying, uh, he's he wasn't known for his comedy writing, but his comedy performance. And when you think about, he was his, just hanging out with the audience, not. Not delivering prepared right, material. and so his mind is going a thousand miles a minute, and he's just pulling thoughts and ideas that are running through them and then spitting them out and I'm sure a lot of them were based on things that he had seen other comics do anything he'd overheard, yeah, anything that had come across so his plate it, it got to the point where he just uh, he was started doing some stand up again, but he wouldn't watch any other stand ups because he didn't mm. want to be accused of being right. a joke thief, which is totally fair and and you know he I think. You know, he didn't deny it, you know, um, but it's nobody goes to see him for the, you know, that one joke that he did. Right. Yeah. Know? It's not like going to see Stephen Wright where you right, right, want to right, see right. him recreate the same joke over and over. Exactly. Again. So um, not that I don't love Stephen Wright. They're just two totally different animals. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, he got to work or Kevin got to work with him on on uh, Goodwill Hunting, which where he won the Oscar because Kevin oh, was a. A producer on Good I didn't Moment. know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how, I don't actually don't know how heavily involved he was in that, but I did enjoy Goodwill Hunting. It wasn't as iconic for me as, um, Oh, Captain, my Captain. Um, yeah. Uh, whatever that one's called that I can't think of the name. Dead Poets. Society, yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, that addiction is just decimating the cast of Dead Poets Society, huh? Um, what, uh, what was your favorite Robin Williams role? That's a great question. Uh, tweet in, by the way, uh, yeah, that's at Nooner Dan Marty. That, that question's out to all of you. I, I anticipated being asked that question and didn't, didn't get there. From the one that I have the most love for and constant memories associated with, consistency with over time was Mork, because I watched it all the time. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I wasn't like dressing up as Mork for Halloween, although I should have. Well, then I probably will this uh, Halloween. Um, that's the one I had the most exposure to. Uh, Dead Poet Society hit me hard when I saw it. Right. I was I was a frustrated, angry student at the time. Um, I, it might be maudlin and over the top now if I were to revisit it, but that that certainly. That certainly has st- has stuck with me. I thought, um, you know, Goodwill Hunting. I had um, some issues with it. it you know, felt the. Um, I mean, I, I really enjo- I enjoyed parts of it. They they got me viscerally, but then there are parts of it I thought were a little uh, schmaltz. Not I don't know schmaltzy, melodramatic. I guess that would be all of Elliot Smith's soundtrack. <laughs> oh no, I loved the soundtrack. I, I did not. You no. don't like Elliot Smith? No, I'm not a big Elliot Smith. Why not? Um, it's maudlin. Oh, I well, I mean, in a way that isn't interesting to me. 
I th- I, his stuff is great, but he, um, but then Robin Williams, you know, and he plays the, I don't like movies with psychiatrists mm-hmm. <laughs> scenes in it because it just feels like, okay, uh, this is like easy exposition. Right. This is the writer telling you what they think about everything. Right. Philosophizing. But I think Robin Williams did a great job. And then, so he, he, um, also improv parts of that. And here's a, a little clip. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like this part was improvised. My wife used to fart when she was nervous. She had all sorts of wonderful little idiosyncrasies. <laughs> you know, she used to fart in her sleep. <laughs> I'm sorry I shared that with you. <laughs> One night it was so loud it woke the dog up. <laughs> um, and if you see I, I that, totally remember that moment. If you see that clip, you can see the camera shaking. The oh, camera wow. Is it handheld? Uh, it's like little loose handheld. Right. But like, oh, that's um, great. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> the cameraman was laughing as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, and so you know, I I have to admit that I was never a. I always loved Robin Williams, but I never got excited for a Robin Williams movie because mm-hmm. he he did have. I mean, I was he was such a huge influence on. Uh, but he, uh, but then I didn't want to see things like Jacob the Liar and right. um, uh, there's some uh, the uh, Centennial Man or My mm-hmm. Centennial Man. Um, uh, but then the, there are other things that just were, were fantastic things like, um, his performance in Goodwill Hunting. But then he also, uh, Bobcat sent him, um, a script that he was writing, uh, World's Greatest Dad. And then, um, it wanted a, a small part for him to do a day in it. And then Robin Williams said, well, I want to be the lead in this. Nice. And, it's uh and then he agreed to do it and that's probably my one of my uh, probably my favorite bobcat movie um i haven't seen the latest bigfoot one but it it was really nice of him to you know he's this a-list actor to be in this this Mm -hmm. super low budget film and it's a very disturbing and it's not a flattering movie for a movie star you know it's a it's yeah, it's about a guy who has a, a son who's kind of an asshole and horrible things happen and uh um yeah, and so it, it's really, you just got a sense that he uh, really cared about the art. and, yeah. he, and He's he, an artist all the way. Yeah, and what he would do at UCB or at the at local improv places. Um, I'd say my intellectual answer to my favorite Rob Williams performance is The Fisher King mm-hmm. because of how much I love that movie. I haven't revisited it recently, but I, I know it's, I, I know it would hold up. Um, but my emotional answer is mork because i was a kid right and it was just it was playful and i'm actually it's a non-comedic moment in mork and Minnie that really sticks with me <laughs> um it seems silly in in the wake of losing such a great artist to be like there's this one time on mork and mindy um but he make he hand makes these really bizarre christmas presents for the main cast members i think one of them was like a some presidential scene made out of chewing gum or something. They were oh. all just super bizarre, really weird. The char- what the, a kid would do. The character does. Yeah. More, yeah. 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 Um, and he overhears the cast members mocking the gifts after he's given them. Mm-hmm. And it breaks his heart, as it would a child. And Mork is basically a child. Right, right. Um, and I don't even remember the resolution because all I remember is how much it hurt <laughs> to so see mean. Mork, yeah, get his heart broken because no one appreciated the gifts that he worked so hard on. Um, Lou says that uh, 
Dead Poet Society was the movie of her teens. And that was her definitely her favorite. Good time to see it. Robin Williams movie, yeah. Um, and then Tyson agrees with you about The Fisher King. Loved it. And um, Hyper Canadian uh, says that his favorite role of Robin Williams would be Peter Pan, I assume, from Hook. I've not seen Hook. And I've heard it's one of those ones that slip through the cracks and you absolutely have to see. Um, Rufio. Rufio. And um, let's see. Christopher Brown. Chris Brown says that he was not an overly big fan, but big, huge respect. Probably favorite was Aladdin or Death to Smoochie. Um, well, it's interesting that... Like such a funny guy should have such a dark side, and that's that's very common. And I actually wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Well, so in in at the beginning of uh, July, like he had stopped drinking a, a while ago, um, and he also, uh, I guess, was a, did a lot of cocaine. And then in July, he um, the beginning cocaine. Of cocaine um, he went back to rehab to address mm-hmm. some issues and. Um, what uh, like what is your thought about? Well, I've been thinking uh, thinking about this a lot, and this is a conversation Emily and I had had um, over lunch after a podcast last year, back in the oh, by James the way, Franco Jr. I, days. I don't know where Emily is, and uh, uh, Kruger is sick today. Oh, nuts! Um, because Emily and I had a great have a great rapport, and we could make each other laugh so hard by just going very dark, and usually self flagellatingly dark um we would just rip ourselves apart and it would be hilarious and i remember you know i've i've won't talk about my relationship too much but there's this aspect of new age be be kind to yourself the secret all this other stuff that i always make fun of but i've I've been trying to embrace some of it for the betterment of, of my career my life just to be a little happier <laughs> and your relationship right right exactly um and i remember telling emily like this has to stop. We're not allowed to do this when we hang out. Um, it's destructive. It's not helping. And then I also remember thinking, but it's really funny. Uh, and how do you, you know, I, 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 in my relationship, sometimes I'll, I'll butt heads a little bit because I'll say something that, you know, my lady will say, well, that's really negative and you're bringing negativity to blah, 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 blah. And she's right. But I'm also thinking, yeah, but it's funny. Like how you you can kill comedy by um, by taking away all the darkness and by never putting any, never saying anything negative. Well, I think, you know, one one of the ways we cope with darkness is through humor. Absolutely. But that helps us get through darkness and helps us uh, make make sense of the world but, but it's if, a fine line because it, it is can a fine also line perpetuate it, it, it right and that's i think the that's where you have to define the line of, of where where you're just uh where you're not being constructive you know there's a there are like my favorite like melodramas and 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 you know dark movies are ones that have comedic moments mm-hmm. and because that's i think it's how we get through uh how we get through these time, hard times, you know, we, we but, always look for the bits of light as opposed to wallowing in darkness. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I think it gets destructive. I think, um, I think making fun of, uh, you know, when they, um, the Monty Python had a reunion and, you know, when they brought 
Graham Chapman on stage, they just poured out some ashes into an ashtray, I think it was, or oh. I forget what it was, but there was some sketch where they, uh, there was an ashtray involved, mm-hmm. and that was, that was his inclusion, you know, because wow. he was dead at that point. I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually his ashes either. Um, but, and that's, to me, is just a wonderful way to celebrate a really dark thing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it would have, and Graham Chapman would have enjoyed that. I'm, I'm right. sure I'm f- fucking that story up, and all the English people are probably <laughs> yelling at their 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 it's devices. Okay, we needed to get more tweets flowing into the exactly, show. <laughs> uh, but and so uh, but that's it's interesting different. because a lot a lot of artists that I like, the the what I like is the angst, the anger, the frustration, and then as they sort of come out of that hole which you want them to but that's what they have to do their art starts sucking well <laughs> no 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 I, I i don't agree with that because i think it's that, obviously a blanket statement and i'm thinking more in terms of music oh sure um but i think and i just remember a, a, and i'm not the biggest bob seeger guy this is the best example but uh i, I mean, don't and then he's not really who i think of as the dark guy right, right. you know of rock but and he's roll got, he's got some he's got some good rockers i'm still a, a big sunspot baby fan um, but then I just remember seeing a music video where he's in some penthouse overlooking the city with his really expensive electric piano and he's sort of singing about his life now. And it's so fucking uninteresting because he's rich and it's easy and there's none of that grit and grime and street in his voice or in his lyrics or in his arrangements or melodies. It's just like no one wants to hear. I remember hearing one of the Run DMC guys doing a rap about like, I'm going to run on the treadmill and pray to God and kiss my kids. And you're like, that is so fucking boring, man. I'm glad you're happy, but... Well, right. It's not interesting art. I think... But that's also has to do with money and success. I think when, when you have money and success... It's harder to find things like, especially when you've written about struggle, you know. Right. Then, when you no longer need to struggle, and what do you write about? You write about the things in your life. You write about oh, the treadmill, my kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Which is why the great, the greatest artists can start from that, but then are able to be empathetic and observational and sure. play characters. I think Springsteen does a decent job of of doing some hardcore research. And making sure he feels something before he says anything. Right. In, and, his, in his good in his good work. And he's had in Streets of it. Philadelphia. He literally walked. You can tell by the song. He he just he was asked to write something about for the movie Philadelphia. He just walked dirty ass streets until he felt something before he started writing. Right. Right. And and he's had to deal with dark things of mm-hmm. bandmates dying and and uh, divorce and divorce and, and Tunnel of Love overproduced, but a great record because he got his heart broken. Um. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I was just listening to an, uh, an interview with Artie Lang, speaking of dark mm. uh, people with substance uh, abuse issues. And by the way, Chris Brown mentioned uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it seems similar. Uh, yeah, that's what I was saying when the uh, the Dead Poets Society cast oh, is right, right. getting ravaged. Um, but uh, Artie Lang talked about after he OD'd, how just through a, a series of circumstances ended up meeting Bruce Springsteen and that, like... And Springsteen talked with him one on one for like an hour and just said, you know, talked about his, his depression. And then mm-hmm. Springsteen said, it gets better. And, and for Artie Lang, like he says that that was like a huge turning point for me. A, it was great to meet a hero of mine. And then, and to hear that they struggled with some of the same things. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then just, and it really, and that this guy cared about him, you know, and it made him, uh, turn things around. Um, but you know, when you talk about like, uh, we, you know, you and, and Emily, like we can't 
talk about, about dark things anymore. I think. Well, that wasn't quite. Wait, uh, well, my. You have. I mean, it's fun. It's fine as long as you're moving towards something, mm-hmm. and it's it's different about like poor me, wah, wah, or right. And well, I just I didn't. I was putting a kibosh on us ripping ourselves to shit. Like she can rip me to shit, and I can rip her to shit. But mm-hmm. coming from me, I'm a loser. I'm incompetent. I'm just constantly um, advertising that. Right. Um, is is self perpetuating? I think. Um, <laughs> we got a tweet in uh, from Renee. He said, "Love you guys, but in Winterland, that is Canada. Summer days are short. Uh, off to the lake. Pod you later." Uh, <laughs> and by the way, yes, we like this is. August. This is the time when everybody is off doing stuff, and you know, we're, this is what civilized people do: is they take a ch- healthy chunk of time in August and they go and they enjoy themselves and enjoy the summer. I have uh, a feeling you're going to start talking about the president. Oh no! Oh, um, but because he's on vacation. Uh, I thought you were setting yourself up for a great political segue. No, no, I'm just saying that I am not a regular person. Got it. <laughs> I'm not a well-funded person, and I don't have a job where I they pay me, you know, uh, for vacation time. Right. You also don't have a job full stop, so your life kind of is a vacation. <sighs> I just called your life a vacation. Um. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I guess that's one one way to to term uh, unemployment. Um, yeah, what are what are people doing? Like, I know that you know the Daily Show's off for a couple of weeks right now, or and uh, so is uh, the Colbert Report. Um, that I mean, it is a civilized thing to do. Are you? And but you, I guess, you took your vacation in July, and uh, I took too too much vacation. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I did Japan. I did uh, yeah, but Cyprus, London. But I just went to much? Chicago and Cleveland. Um, there's a chance I lost a job because of it. Um, I uh, haven't earned a paycheck in quite some time. Mm. It's time to get back to work. And how do how do you do that? Um, tell the universe that you're getting back to work, and opportunities will appear. See that to me is becomes <laughs> um, that becomes masturbatory as well. Right, right, right. If you that's why I in said the, it in a stupid way. Right, but if you well in the dark, and that's my problem with with. Just the power of positive thinking. In fact, you know, there's no research that really shows that that's helpful. Like, it's all about channeling your energies, like positive ones into positive things and negative ones into motivating things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if, oh, I don't know if I should talk about the, uh, what I wanted to talk about in the, you know, I, I wanted to start, well, normally we start everything with something in the news and politics, mm-hmm. but. Um, There's nothing in the news more than Robin Williams right now. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I'll, I'll wait till next week to talk about that other stuff. Um, uh, and we'll also talk about. I just want to talk about comic books for just one sec. I'm on a comic book high, so I can go. Really? I can go over a lot more in a sec. Yeah. Well, this Marvel Unlimited app has changed my life. Oh yeah, they just had a 99 cents for the last uh, during Comic Con. You can get the um, and a month of it for 99 cents. Ah, fuck. Yeah, so I signed up for that. I need to. I got it too early. I need to. Well, it it goes back up to ten bucks now. Um, so Power Girl. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Uh, Is it DC? Yeah, it's DC. Yeah, fuck DC. Well, she's the the Earth Two Supergirl or whatever JSA member. But um, what's JSA? Justice Society, Society of America, which is different than Justice League. 
Yeah, because it's Earth 2. I guess it, I don't I know, know what that. Earth 2 is, Marty. I'm not a DC guy. Plus, think of all the audience members that aren't DC guys. This is a perfect opportunity to enlighten them. Well, apparently, uh, Wally Wood in 1976 um, started drawing. Well, you know, she's famous for being um, a, a, a great cosplay character. So if you go to Comic Con, you'll see. That I don't care. You can Sorry, I'm snacking. That's fine. Um, you'll see all these women in blonde wigs and white costumes, busty costumes, busty uh, costumes. Yes. Uh, and uh, apparently, I just found I really it. love titties. Um, <laughs> all right. Like, well, when that, they're drawn in a comic book. I like seeing them in real life. Like they're just thinking about. Wow, them. that's not creepy at all. I'm like, no. Why is that creepy? I like titties. It's just the want? way that you were talking about it and staring at my chest while you were doing it. <laughs> Go to the gym. Fuck. It's not my fault. Oh, jeez. Um, so Wally would. The thing is, Wally would drew her in uh, 1976 and, when we were eight, and apparently the sexual signifier shut, was the male, uh, the female rear end, um, which has now since we've moved sex from hey, the Bill, rear Bill, part to of, the front. Part of improv we still need the sexual signal. You're missing out on some great stuff. No, I'm not. I'm speaking about You still need the girl. sexual... So am I. Indirectly. No, you're not talking... You're talking not, about titties. Yeah. No, you can't talk about Power Girl without talking about titties. You don't even know who Power Girl is. She's got big titties. Oh, my God. The point is, now we have to look for a butt on the front because we fucked from the front. So now we... The sexual signifier of the ape, of the female rear end, is now the breasts. So it's not creepy for me to like tits. I'm just a big naked ape. All right, listeners, you'll never know what I was going to say because Bill had to be a creep. Um, so we'll move on. It's not Power creepy. Girl. No, talk about Power Girl. No. It's interesting. No, it's not. Oh, don't punish the listeners just because I wanted to talk about titties. <clears throat> um, yeah. Wally Wood. Go on. I want to. I want the night. I want to know. Well, then shut the fuck up. I am. No, you're not. You're- yeah, I am. Listen to all the dead air. All right. He. Uh, so apparently he wasn't sure if people were paying attention, his editors were paying attention to how he was drawing her. So he just would draw her in subsequent issues with bigger and bigger boobs until finally one of the editors was like, hey, what's up with Parnell's big boobs? And, putting the wood in Wally Wood. Yeah. Uh, and it took about seven or eight issues before anyone noticed, hey, what's with the tits? And that's where they stopped. And according to Jim Palmiotti, that's a true story. Um, what's with the tits? What's with the tits? See, I was totally on topic. No, you just weren't listening. That's all I ask. Uh, well, I was like, prompted you with Wally Wood and everything else. And so it got... And, you know, so over the years, it just became this uh, weird issue because she also had this, like, little circle in, the, in her cleavage area. And... And would just get bigger and bigger and show more and more cleavage. And she would make jokes about it like, you know, she uh, in the comic book. Like, oh, yeah, I was going to – I haven't decided. I know that's where Superman puts his ass, and I haven't decided what I want to put there yet. And uh, one of the female nice. editors at DC was like, all right, <laughs> we're ending this. No more cleavage. We're sewing that thing up. So there, that's why there's much evolution of, of her costume over the years. But Well, I would like to see a power – Girl, was it? What's her name? Power Girl. Power Girl movie. Because um, I would like to see more titties. By the way, Tyson has been tweeting in, uh, and I hopefully he's been tumbling. Um, and he did mention there was an interview with um, uh, Jonathan Winters with uh, Rick Overton. So he he posted up. I've heard the name, but I don't know Rick Overton. Uh, I think he was in Willow. 
Um, he was a. Was he the midget? Uh, no, that's Warwick. Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis. No, he was one of the the brownies. Um, okay, I could be totally wrong. Uh, let me know if I am. Uh, and I think he was in um, something. Was it? All right, now I gotta look it up. Uh, what do you? <laughs> Uh, on Twitter, where are you when we need you? Yeah, I think he was in I like keep riffing on titties neighbors or something. No, no, it, I think everybody's had enough of your creepy talk about titties. <laughs> it's not creepy. Read Desmond, no, no. Read Desmond Morris. The, the naked way ape you and then talk about it creepy. is creepy. No, it's honest. Um, it's forthright. Yeah. So he was in. Um, uh, yeah, he was one of the brownies in Willow, and and he acted both with uh, Robin Williams and mm. Jonathan Winters. Oh wow! Um, Lucky guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's, he's a stand-up, too. So what comic books are you reading? Uh, God, I don't know where to begin. Um, I am rereading the Age of Apocalypse storyline from 1995. Um, a lot of Mark Wade, Jeff Loeb, um, uh, Fabio, I could never pronounce that guy's name, so it doesn't matter. Larry Hammer wrote some of it. But that's an alternate universe. Did you ever read that one? It's an hmm. alternate universe um, Scenario where Apocalypse, Charles Xavier died in Magneto's arms and in Magneto's defense, and, and Magneto swore to carry on his dream, but Apocalypse is actually successful and destroys the world and blah, blah, blah. But Bishop comes to tell them he's a, he's a time anomaly, a temporal anomaly, and he comes to tell them this is the wrong world. There's another world where Xavier lives, and then there's all this teleporting, psychological, crazy stuff to try to fix where do they end the temporal anomaly yeah how do they end that that like i don't remember thread, you know because it's like i appreciate that they that comic books will take license with canon and say eh, you know marvel used to have the what if see mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but the, and i love i loved it and i love this mm-hmm. um because i i really like alternative alternative universe takes on beloved characters because you get to see you get the stakes are really high because they can kill people off and you can see them you can see them behave in ways that they wouldn't normally and it can either break your heart or really excite you for example nightcrawler is just vicious and deadpool is a bad guy and he teleports on, on a deadpool's shoulders twists his neck and teleport rips his head off and teleports his head away so that he can't <laughs> heal himself and you mm-hmm. get to see these characters do these things that that maybe you always wanted them to do or that you don't want to see them do but you have to watch it that's why i love the the noir series that they've done right. marvel's done where right. they they recast their characters which um, which which in like the, is 1930s detectives it's co- it's called noir it's like wolverine noir luke cage noir x-men oh. noir um and these are all on the the unlimited app, and they're like anywhere between a, a one issue, a one off, or a four issue limited series. They did one with Daredevil, they did one with Spider Man, Iron Man, and they sort of like they don't they don't use superpowers and superhero stuff. Wolverine is just a, a master with uh, throwing knives, and he holds three at a time, so they look sort of like claws. But oh, I see. He's not, you know. There's no mutant stuff. There's no. All right, I'll, I'll check that out. I, I've it's had, fun. I'm having trouble reading comic books on. Um with uh, a screen, um, I mean, there's something about just seeing the page and being able to I mean, constantly go back and forth and say, what just happened? Who's that? And, you know, yeah. and so it's a little harder with a, with a screen. I um, am, what, which screen do you use? I found that I, I have an iPad that's almost comic-sized, uh-huh. and it actually 
is working okay for me. All right. Well, maybe um, I'll buy an iPad just so I can read comic. Let's <laughs> <laughs> spend six hundred dollars in an almost iPad. Almost what I did. Yeah. Because I was traveling to Japan. Oh, that's right, and I was that's like, right. I, got, I can't bring a bunch of books and. I want to travel light. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. If I, um, but you no, can just, zoom in really quickly and easily if you're having trouble seeing one of the word bubbles or something. I gotcha. Um, gotcha. And then you just tilt it when they do a big double splash page. And right, right. It's it's effective. It's I would much prefer holding the comic book in my hand, but but um, but the the wealth of uh, I mean, not every comic book is on there. It's just no, it's but thousands of them. I about. wouldn't. I will never run out of comic books to read. Right. I'm, right. I'm reading Chris Claremont's. I started with Giant Size X-Men number one, and I'm going to try to read his whole run. On oh, X-Men. nice. Although they don't have every single issue, but they have But they do have Giant Size. I remember that. Mm-hmm. that one. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, the a- a- Age of Apocalypse is worth revisiting. I, I thought it was a, a reference to Apocalypse at the, in the end credits of the latest X-Men, um, where they're all worshiping that the movie? woman in blue. Yeah. Oh, X-Men I didn't see Days it. of Future Path. Yeah, it's not that important to see it. Um, but I think it was an Apocalypse reference. But I, I actually don't know. I only know the character of Apocalypse from this alternative universe uh, mega event across many ser- many different series that they've done. But it's great because the Beast is evil. Cyclops only has one eye. Um, Wolverine lost a hand. And he and Jean Grey are a couple, even though you can tell that she should be with Scott Summers. Rogue and Magneto have a child. And Gambit is heartbroken. How do they have sex? Uh, he, she, if I remember right, in this timeline, she used her powers on Polaris, who is also like a magnet magnetism person. Uh-huh. And in the same way that she fucked up Carol Danvers in the real Marvel universe, in this alternative universe, she somehow held on to some of those magnetism powers. And they explain it in a way that doesn't sound ridiculous. Um, and they make a point of it, like that's part of why she fell in love with Magneto, is that he was able to rescue her from her isolate, her physical isolation. So the combination of their um, magnetic powers allows for it, and whatever. <laughs> you're I such, don't know. You're such a dork. I, you asked. <laughs> I know, but the way you were so gleefully talking about I'm it, not, I'm, I'm trying to answer the question. No, the, you're you're. Your genuine enthusiasm for it is just delightful. I think they did a good job. And I have to say, Age of Apocalypse is the first time in a long time I've I've seen a comic book character on whom I have a crush. It's probably just the way she's drawn, but... Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Wait, so... There's a daughter... uh, No, a sister, a younger sister of Sam Guthrie, Cannonball. She's just drawn that way. Whom I always liked, who's drawn really hot, but not in the cheapest of hot ways. It's pretty cheap, but it's not... It's not in that like grotesque mid nineties overspilling titties. Not in the Power Girl way. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Paige Guthrie, I, I think Husk is her. She's also a redhead, which helps. Um, she's got a button nose that helps. Um, oh, AKA Husk. I don't uh, know if she makes an appearance outside of the Age of Apocalypse. It's just she's in four issues of the Age of Apocalypse. She's cute as hell. Uh, did you have crushes on them? Uh, on characters when you were a kid constantly my first my first ever crush on any girl woman ever was actually a drawing of princess leia from the uh, star wars the comic howard, book interpretation is that howard chaykin is that who did it uh i think so um i just gave i actually had it i took it out of the library and never took it back and i <laughs> just, just like I, I just gave it as a gift to uh, an editor who who worked on a few a bunch of projects for me 
Um, and it wasn't, I didn't have a crush on Princess Leia as such. And I didn't have a crush on her throughout the comic book. It was just this one panel that I thought <laughs> that was you drawn. you masturbated so. furiously to on no, a daily no. basis. I never did that as a child. Never. Never. Never, ever. ever. Honestly. No, I believe it. I don't give a shit. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is it's not delightful. my job to convince you of the truth. Uh, you know, if anybody's listening, let us know your, your when you masturbated. Uh, and when, when you, you masturbated, no, no, <laughs> just your your comic book crushes. Um, trying to think of who I had comic book crushes on. Ah, sure, Princess Leia. Sure, why not? Um, just from the comic book, not from the movie. There, there, there were other. I mean, maybe Kitty Pride. No, I don't know. No. Oh yeah, Jean, Jean Grey. I like redheads. What can I say? Hmm. Um. Um. Just uh, there's. More news and speculation. I don't want to uh, about uh, Robin Williams. I don't really want to talk about the the whys and the whatevers. Yeah. Uh, but um, um, it's very very sad. And, and I and actually it's, it is nice that the the media coverage is focused on um, his talent, his talents, and and the the people he aff- uh, influenced in in positive ways. I, uh, if you are going to dig in the Marvel app, I highly recommend. I, I'm really enjoying starting a series from issue number one because I've I've only been reading comic books sporadically since I stopped collecting. Um, and you're like issue 247, and all of these storylines are in play that you're you can't catch up on, and the mm-hmm. people who you last saw as a hero are now a villain. The people you last knew as a villain now a hero. Everyone you thought was dead is alive. The character you loved you find out is dead, and, and there isn't. And you only have that one issue that you buy at the airport, and you're like, well, fuck, I don't know what the hell's going on. But it's really nice with the Marvel app, just starting at issue number one mm-hmm. and and following it through. And right. um, I, I read about him. I, I hadn't heard of him. He's very successful. But Matt Fraction. I've heard the great, name. Right, yeah, great writer. And he does. Uh, he's got an Iron Fist run that starts at number one that's – I'm on only on the third issue, but the art is gorgeous, and I'm really enjoying it. And uh, he he takes on Hawkeye, um, both Hawkeyes, um, Clint Barton and the the gal that took over for him. Uh-huh. Um, and that's a great run. They're trying a lot of really inventive stuff with the art and the storytelling. They told one story entirely from his dog's point of view. And there were just these circles based on what he was smelling and thinking. Um, these uh, really nice designed uh, circles. And you were gathering all the story just sort of really from his point of view, not his... POV in terms of his what he was seeing right. with his eyes, but no, I heard that Hawkeye one is awesome. Yeah, though. it's really interesting. It's not flawless, but nothing is, and it's it's really interesting. And he and Ed Brubaker, who's become one of my favorites, um, I think they teamed up on the uh, Iron Fist run. But that's the other great thing about the app is you can search by writer. Oh, that's good. So I was reading Mark Wade's run on Daredevil, which I'd talked about ages can you, ago. Can you search by letterer? No. <laughs> Damn it. No respect for the letterer. That's that's got to suck. Or for the inker. inkers and, and the tracer. Um, to reference Kevin Smith, but you can you can just search then everything that they have on there by Mark Wade. Right, right. And it's it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of the writers that I really like, I've started reading their first efforts as comic book writers, and it's pretty generic. They don't they you can see them develop their voice over time. Like those early Chris Claremont X Men, not strong. Super cheesy, mm-hmm. not even particularly interesting. Like I'm just reading them to have said I read his whole run. They're not right, right. They're right. not that great. Um, but he, you know, obviously greatly developed over time. And then I, I read his something he did more recently 
uh, again, not an alternative universe, but it's set in the future. It's called X-Men The End. There's three different series that are like 20 years in the future. Kitty Pride's running for mayor of Chicago. And um, it's how it's what happened. It, it's the his vision of the end of the X Men story, um, and it wasn't that great. <laughs> All right, let's talk about more mediocre Sorry. things, like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hyperna- uh, Canadian want to know our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Ninja I did Turtles. See Guardians of the Galaxy. And the new King Kong movie coming out in the future. I don't know anything about the new King Kong movie. I like the last. I like the Peter Jackson King Kong movie a ton. I know some people were really. Uh, tepid about it i thought uh the action scenes were amazing and um and i liked the the story i i cried in the end uh guardians of the galaxy loved it um really enjoyed it can't wait for uh the next one i thought um and ninja turtles don't really care about ninja turtles i have to say it's michael bay who cares uh, well, he just up. produced it. I have, you know, I have the first, uh, a first printing of number one issue of. Really? Yeah. That's got to be worth something. Yeah, it's in shitty condition, but oh. I have it somewhere. Um, I am glad I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. There were moments of true inspired genius. There was great humor. Um, but I thought it was only okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't love it. Yeah. I was sort of bored with the Ronan Thanos generic alien name. I just got. I thought Rocket looked amazing. I thought Groot looked amazing. I thought Chris Pratt was a lot of fun. Drax the Destroyer did a great job. The wrestler Dave Batista, um, great sense of humor. I loved it mostly when they were just sort of sitting around arguing over minutia, which is kind of my favorite thing, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you see that Trey Parker and Matt Stone? Um, presentation where they show up at a screenwriting class and they talk about how they how they work on the beats of of their show Mm-mm. and every every beat they they literally write this out and every beat has to inspire the next in terms of okay you have something that happens but the next thing happens or you have something that happens therefore the next thing happens right but when they read a script or are writing a script where you have a beat something that happens and then this next thing happens, that's death. Right, right, right. And right. I, there were definitely aspects of the movie where I was feeling like, okay, well, this, they said that they were going to do this, so, and then they went and did it. Um, not, not every beat, but there were a few times where, hmm. you know, no, I, I knew they said, you knew they were going to break out of the jail. They said they were going to break out of the jail. Rocket said, I've broken out of all these jails. And then Chris Pratt says, Rocket said he's broken out of all these jails, so let's break out of this one. And then, they started to break out of the, you know, it, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it was a fun, fun enough sequence, but there are definitely some times where I was sort of like, I'm not being caught off guard. I'm not being taken away. I'm waiting. Right. I'm waiting for the next thing to I happen. I guess so. I, yeah. But I would also say that the, the appeal of that movie is, um, is the, the banter, you know, and <laughs> some, and some people found like, there's just too much banter, but I thought it was it worked, and I thought the the, the soundtrack in the trailer I was really worried about it the yep. soundtrack, but I then it was when a I was, brilliant device. It is a great device. It it creates this dramatic thread through it, and I hate it when they and you just use pre-existing pop music cheaply, just cheaply, right. just because but, it's familiar and, and they know it'll push a button. But they but they it set it up totally, in a way that made a lot of sense yes. and really worked. And it, and you were totally excited about what's the next song mm-hmm. going to play, and mm-hmm. they, and the, and they've released that mixtape as a good. As a the song choices are are great in that. It's it was really really uh, smart, and it must have been. A huge pain in the ass for the uh, 
the music supervisor right. and track all that stuff down. But I saw it with someone who was right out of the get-go grossly offended by how misogynistic the movie was. Huh. Because he's so he's he's such a cad. You didn't even. He, I, I don't want to spoil it, but he, he's basically a cad, which I was expecting. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't offended by any of that. But it, she could only find one exception of a female character that wasn't disempowered. Um, and that was the Glenn Close character, who's the head of Nova Prime. Well, I, I don't. I don't know. It's uh, what's the. Uh, the um it was just over for her it was it was it was particularly interesting to me because for her it was overwhelmingly from a male perspective but and i was saying well this is actually the first marvel film to have a female writer credit yeah and i think it it does pass the but, bechdel test you know the bechdel test right uh the girl they're talking about boyfriends they're talking about them no, no, no. yeah yeah oh my god oh, is the bechdel test the fact that uh, the bechdel test reminds us that it's the top of the hour and you're listening to the smodcast morning show no on the smodcast internet radio networks courtesy of bob bechdel the no, Alison Bechtel. Oh. She's a comic book. Uh, she has this comic book, and and she's uh, one of the characters says, "I have like uh, three rules. But when I go see a movie, it has to have um, at least uh, two female characters, and uh, they who need to talk to each other about something other than men, <laughs> right? You know." And uh, and, she, and then the punchline is: last movie I saw was uh, Alien. You know. Um, which I thought was very funny, and and mm-hmm. this movie would pass the Bechdel test um, because you have yeah. the, the thing with Zoe Saldana, and uh, yeah, there were there was some you know they they overplayed the sex between the two of them, and you know she definitely needed to be saved by him. There's a classic shot of the hero holding the woman in, in his arms, and um, I was thinking the Karen Gillan character was a very powerful assassin, but she yeah, was but- a s- slave or subservient to Thanos. No, but she um, was also. Well, anyhow, we don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. I. I yeah, we, it, there's. It, there were. There were a few tense conversations afterwards. But yeah. she. She definitely was. Was really offended. I think it was just colored by the fact that in basically the first scene, there's a a ditzy. Well, there. Yeah, Benicio del Toro had two female slaves. Yeah, but. I, yeah, I don't. I don't agree with that though. There were a lot of shots of Zoe Saldana's butt, even though she was like a badass assassin. Um, who was totally independent and and rebelling against what you would think to be her male? I mean, there were cheesecake shots of of Chris Pratt. And That's David, what I said. David Batista. I was like, like, I saw a shit ton of shots of, yeah. of ripped muscles and abs. Yeah, yeah. made I mean, me feel bad about myself. And that's about that's what <laughs> and that's what comic books are ripped mm-hmm. ab- about ripped abs and and you know big like titties, that. big titties. Oh, okay, Shh. ugh, it's so creepy. Oh, like you don't like tits? Well, I don't be. A- <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't play it back. I didn't that's, do that that's once. That's exactly what you said. If you like. heard any heavy breathing, it was because I was eating a muffin at the time. Eating <laughs> a muffin, huh? Like a big titty. Ain't seen nothing till you down on a muffin. Um, but I saw the cutest thing at the mall. Uh, By the way, great the, job with the sound cue on the top of the hour. That was really tight. The um, I was complimented you and you were exasperated. I was... Cu- because you took me off track about what I was talking oh, about. I was whatever. at the mall, and I went by the movie theater, and there were like four um, like teenage boys like ranging from like 13 to 16, and they all had on like 
bandana like eye things. Oh, okay. and they're posing in front of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cutout cool. and getting their photo taken by their parents. And I was just like, that is just the cutest thing ever. That is awesome. Like that when you get, got to go to the movies in that with that excitement, mm-hmm. you know that like. Um, it's that's a joyful thing, and that that's what makes um, consume reading these comics and going to movies just so so much fun. And that's one reason I I get excited about summer movies because to try to recapture that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though I do remember in uh, the Phantom Menace when uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla <laughs> dressed up as Darth Maul and whatever they dressed up as, you know, in costume, and the day of the screening they. They cut to the front of the line at the man's Chinese <laughs> because people have been waiting there for for a month, and then you just oh. like <laughs> they just got that's it. brutal. It's the funniest thing because people you they like it was border like just just they a hair short of kicked. yeah. If I mean, which just, they totally would have deserved. I yeah, I felt oh, sorry no. for them at all. It was the funniest thing that just like how easy it was to just make these people just incensed to the mm. point of like, you know, <laughs> you took my lunch money. <laughs> right. you know? I love the insult that tri- uh, triumphed insult comic dog when he was ripping on people in line to see star Wars and he goes to a guy in full Vader costume. He's like, which one of these buttons calls your mother to come pick you up? Oh, I did want to, I did want to mention though briefly, um, sorry to, to backtrack, but, um, did you see the story about Bill Mantlo and guardians of the galaxy? Mm-mm. He was the comic writer who created, um, rocket raccoon back in the seventies. And in the nineties, I didn't know any of this in, in the nineties. He was the victim of a hit and run and had a very serious brain injury. So he's pretty much near vegetable state in full time, you know, lying in bed full time, uh, around the clock care uh and marvel arranged uh an advanced screening private screening for him of guardians of the galaxy and his family was saying the way he reacted to seeing rocket raccoon on screen which looks phenomenal not a cgi guy obviously i'm about to go pitch a film to a, a, a studio that is exclusively puppetry stop motion and in camera optical effects um but uh, I, I thought they did a fantastic job with Rocket, and just the smiles on his face, the tears—like he, he just—he responded. I mean, he's, he's pretty close to brain dead because of a hit and run, right? But he responded so positively and vibrantly to seeing Rocket brought to life. And I, and I, I they, they did also mention in the article, his brother mentioned that Marvel has given them a very generous um, deal. Uh, for the for the rights of guardian and yeah, licensing yeah. and and that they've been generous over over the years um, with his assisting with his medical expenses. I mean that's got to be so expensive. Um, yeah, it's twenty four hour. I mean it's twenty four hour. Yeah, healthcare. yeah. Um, I uh, I'm sorry. I'm just no, doing sorry. some technical things here. Um, and by uh, James just tweeted in at us, DJ James, DJ, DJ Master. James, come back to us. Yeah, we miss you. Um, but, you know, I think we're just going to dip a little early here. Yeah. We're going to dip into the mail sack. Mail sack, mail sack. Come on, dip my hands that mail sack. Yeah, that was great. Uh, this one, first one is from our pal Peter WG, who, who I think is in California. Um, and um, 
Sorry that we weren't able to get you in. Um, but he writes in and says, uh, Hey, Merps, and especially listeners. And this is especially if you're in the northeast part of North America. Listen up, Nooners. Uh, haven't gotten to listen in a few weeks as things have been especially busy for me at work. Um, I email in today without a softball or a mail statement, but with a request to all the listeners. Since July 26th, my friend's sister has been missing and has not made contact with friends or family, which is completely out of character. Her name is Julie Roach. She's 25 years old and was last seen in Newport, Rhode Island, driving a 2001 Toyota Corolla um, with uh, Massachusetts tags 843-TA2. She has red hair, possibly in dreads, and is 5'5". Any, uh, if anyone has any information, call Newport Police. Um, or share this information, uh, retweet posts about Julie from at Newport Buzz, or reach out to uh, Peter on Twitter. That's Peter W G A C E K. Um, sorry to bring the mail sack down, but ask yourself what you would do if your sibling was missing with no rhyme or reason. Thanks for the support. Yeah, no, I'm so sorry about your friend's sister. Um, Our community's suffering a bit this morning. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, well, uh, hopefully this has been resolved, but, um, please keep us, keep yeah, us, keep us surprised and, and we will, we sent that out there. Uh, so hopefully, um, any listeners can help. Um, this next one's from Garrett. Um, good morning guys. There are a lot of different bands that have influenced me. I asked Garrett last week uh, what his influences were. Uh, nineties rock radio was uh, oh, yeah. going when I was growing up. I started, uh, enjoying listening to music because of radio. Led Zeppelin inspired me to learn guitar, just like every other guitarist. <laughs> Dylan and Neil Young are major influences in my songwriting. That, that I can hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to sing along to uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and Metallica albums really badly, and I eventually found my natural range. I'm hoping to record a demo in a high-end studio in Virginia in the near future. Which Thanks. era of Metallica? Thanks for all your support and great feedback. No, really. Uh, Gary, yeah, that's great. I, I love hearing your songs and keep up the, the writing and um, uh, always keep us apprised of the, the latest stuff. Um, yeah, what was your... What, who were your... Well, I mean, you talk about um, the music you like as an adult, but what were your influences when you first started playing? Uh, that's different than what were influences when I was a kid. I'm glad because my influences when I was a kid are a little embarrassing. What were your influences as a kid? No, why did I do that? Oh, um, I listened to AM country radio, country gold until my brother went to private school and found out really quickly that it was not cool. So we stopped listening to that at the house. And my friend, John Ram introduced me to 92 Q or possibly 98.5 WNCX. I don't remember which. Um, and I heard Brian Adams cuts like a knife <laughs> and that's it. I was a rocker from then on. Woo! <laughs> um, but obviously, as a kid, I was influenced by popular radio, Case Case right. Top 40. Uh, the actual cassettes that I owned, uh, asked for for Christmas, sought out. Um, I got Purple Rain, but it was way too sexy for me. Like, I remember hearing, Dar- <laughs> is it Darling Nikki? That makes me feel funny Yeah, inside. no, I just, I just felt guilty as Mommy. hell. I was like, is he saying what I think he's saying? And I just, I didn't, I never listened to it. That's how fucking lame I was. Um, that does not surprise me at nope. all. Nope. Um, but I did love the Thompson Twins. I had two of their records, Doctor, Into the Gap. Doctor. Yeah. Hold Me Now. Yeah. Uh, and then even their later stuff, like, if I was king for just one day. One of the members of that band is touring right now. Um, there's a, an 80s retro tour going on with the 
the guy from um, Reap the Wild Winds. What's the band Whoa, called? Um, Ultravox, uh, <laughs> you know. And they're touring right now. Uh, I kind of want to see that. That I forget. It's it's got a really <laughs> funny, weird uh, name, but um, yeah, I, I might actually see it. Did you like the guy from Ultravox? I could look up his name, but that would require me not talking. Um, he was actually the guy who co-started Band Aid with uh, Bob, Bob Geldof, Geldof, really. And he wrote, "Do they know it's Christmas?" Oh, uh, uh, I oh god, I know his name. Because he played the club that I worked in, um, and we had to convince people to come because no one had heard of him. Uh, oh, really? Uh, uh, Midge Ure. Yeah. Ure. Uh, I never would have gotten that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he actually has a pretty incredible bio, but no one's heard of him. So yeah. Well, and, and he had a you know pretty steep guarantee to play the club, and we had to... Like, well, Jesus, if we're going to take this show, we have to convince people to come out, so we'd better pimp this bio really hard. Um, but it's crazy. Like he, he, um, he wrote the song and like, of course, every, all the big UK bands were in, in it, but like Bananarama and he played all the instruments except for drums. Like he, did Phil Collins play the drums? I don't know. I probably, for sure. sure. Phil Collins played the drums. Let's say he did. Um, and, uh, and he, so he's touring as part of this, uh, this, is you two going to do it too? <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna do the retro tour with the guy from Thompson Twins and and Katrina from Katrina and the Waves. Why not? Gonna join in and rocking, uh, walking on sunshine. I want candy. Which one is Dink? Bow Wow Wow. Yeah, Bow Wow Wow is on a different tour right now. Ah, okay. Um, Sorry. The, uh, but did you see Band Aid the the concert? No. Oh, like I've only seen bits of it, but you know they did it in um, simultaneously. You know, and it was. One weekend, uh, and, and it was all throughout the U, uh, the U.S. and then also in the U.K. And Phil Collins, Wembley, wasn't it? Wembley, they played Wembley Stadium, and Phil Collins like flew from one to the other so he could play both, Jesus, Philadelphia and and uh, Wembley. Um, but if you want to see like the best performance of it, and it's it's just unbelievable. Watch the Queen. Um, I've heard that. I've heard Queen did, Bandit is one of the greatest live performances. Of yeah, all time. they did a six song set starting with. Um, uh, uh, what did they start with? Oh, oh, uh, with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, of course. And then uh, they played Radio Gaga. Then something from. The, all the, we hear is. Radio Guru. It's a, such a Radio Guru. It's a silly song. It's crazy. It's a crazy. All their songs are crazy. And they end up with "We Will Rock You" and "We Are the Champions." And and you know Wembley. I don't know how much it holds, but it looks like a it's quarter massive. million people. I've been I mean, in it for a soccer match, and it's fucking massive. And they're all just and and Freddie Mercury is just owning every single person there. And they they were in a, like a not a. They weren't in, as in decline. They in were in decline, yeah. But then after that, they did one one last world tour before he died. But it's it's a six song set. Go on YouTube, watch it. It's it's phenomenal. I, there's a U two story about Live Aid that um, they played two songs. Yeah, and but it contributes to what I don't like about them. But I understand why they did it. Um, they made a conscious choice of playing that really long song. Uh, no, no, of playing to the cameras. Because while everyone else was like, oh, we're in this giant stadium and we've got to, like you said, own everyone in the stadium, they were like, well, if we own the cameras, we've just 
gone to 50, 60, 80 times as many people right, right, across right. the world. Um, cause they're, and they're, I, I get that. That's smart. It's smart marketing. It's, it's savvy, savvy business. I just, I just don't like the, I might also be confusing that with the rattle and hum interview where uh-huh. they're filming a concert and they're making the choice. Do we play for the people who paid or do we play oh, for the cameras? The movie, yeah. Well, they were shooting a movie then. So yeah. That, that um, and I, I appreciate their honesty in that, but there was just something about that that was so not rock and a little, roll. A little calculated. Yeah. Rock and roll should not be calculated. Yeah, exactly. And rock and roll, live rock and roll should not be geared towards a camera. You know, if you're in front of an audience and you're thinking about the camera instead, you're not rock and roll. You're pop, period. Oh, people have been tweeting in. I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at the Twitter. Um, Keegan says, Walking on Sunshine makes always makes me think about the secret of my success. That's a movie I really liked. I really enjoyed that. Um, for those of you who are OK Go fans, uh, Damien Kulash, frontman for OK Go, uh, was in a college band at my college i'm saying this poorly uh we went to college together and he was in a band called a la playa that was excellent and we shared a drummer and they covered walking on sunshine and they had the two lead singers of my band the tuesday weld as the tuesday weld horns and in harmony the two guys did the in harmony while the playa covered like a sort of pixies pixies up version of walking on sunshine it was awesome that's awesome i like that uh, James says, um, not sure when the next drop-in will be, but I will may email some nude selfies. James. <laughs> Collective, no. Uh, Peter WG's at LAX, LAX crappy Wi-Fi. Um, and then um, Keegan says, this just in, uh, Marty Yu goes to the mall and stares at teenage boys. Well, they were just so cute. Well, I was, I was saying, Easy. <laughs> they're so cute. Easy. They're just not helping my case. Um, no. See, oh, geez. I'm okay because I like titties. <laughs> That's right. If you don't like titties and you're a man, you and, are not okay. And you're hanging out at the mall <laughs> looking, at, <laughs> looking at teenage boys. Um, Adam writes in says, uh, from Indiana and says, uh, hello, guys, and maybe gal. Gals. No. Sorry. Um, we're just talking about titties. Just, uh, talking about uh, titties. Uh, I just recently watched 2001 A Space Odyssey. Fun bags. After watching it, I have to say, I don't get why people love that film or even make references to it. Milk I'm jokes. sure I'm missing something. My question is, is there a movie or TV show you watched that was popular and people loved it and you couldn't see what the big deal was? That's a great question. That's a really good question. Um, I think, like, 2001, I think, is is kind of phenomenal. It It, it is... Um, but, but I don't know, maybe if a young person getting it, uh, you know, might not get it, it's certainly not as fast paced as, as movies are today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the special effects in it really hold up. Um, they're, they're just things that like, that are just so inventive in the filmmaking part of it. Um, the ending is, uh, I saw it once in the theater and, when he's just tripping out, I'm, I was tripping out, and it was like really great. It was amazing. And then the ending, uh, I don't know if um, that lead actor Dave, uh, yeah, plays yeah. Dave. Yeah, he's from Cleveland. Oh, Jesus, sorry, he just is. He uh, just what did, is. What, did you like the movie? Two thousand one. Yeah. Um, I have portions of it burned in my brain because it was so beautiful. Rated G, by the way. And I'd seen nothing like it. I don't remember it well, and I haven't seen it 
as an adult who's been interested in film and investigating film. I actually have a really nice vintage poster of it hanging in my apartment. That was a gift. Um, and I, think, I feel guilty about that because I don't know it well. I think seeing it in a theater uh, with a you know an amazing sound system but that and soundtrack's ridiculous. The soundtrack is amazing, and to see it in that context, and we, you're forced to focus on it, is the way to see it. And mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. Um, and I think that had I seen it just, um, and I, I think I had to, I have it on laserdisc, laserdisc. Um, <laughs> And it just does not have the same impact. And plus, plus you have to flip it halfway through. Uh, but back to your question, um, are there, is there a movie or TV show that you watched that was popular and didn't see what the big deal was? I'm still thinking. Uh, this is um, a little blasphemous. Um, but I don't really, I mean. Oh, I got one. The Dark Knight Rises, is that the one with Heath Ledger in it? Yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. I I didn't I enjoyed it, but I was like, all right. I mean, there's a lot of none of the Nolan scenery chewing. Batman blew me away. Um, they all had moments I was great. Moments for. that were great, but as a as a movie that I was just like, that was amazing. I was just Meh. I thought all three of them had big issues. I like the last one. I thought that I thought fun. the last one had a, a, a like a a B story that took too much time and wasn't I wasn't invested in. Um. You had one. Seinfeld. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy the humor. I don't enjoy the actors. I don't enjoy the soundtrack. I just don't enjoy it. A tweet and let let us know what you don't what the way yeah, a bit, uh, uh, little, little uh, minor I, stroke there. I had this. I had we had this argument with uh, the delightful Dan Etheridge. I have given Breaking Bad. A couple tries, and I got all the way to the second season because there's obviously something there. Keegan says, "Fuck Cleveland, yay!" But I just, uh, I, I like rooting for something. Well, and we've I've talk, talked about it too that I was never a huge Seinfeld fan, mm-hmm. and I I know that there's some amazing writing there, and it's very very funny. Uh, but I just. I just wanted to shoot all those yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I don't love watching shows populated only by despicable people. It, but why I, is... I tune out. Why is the Larry David thing so much funnier? It works better for me. Yeah. It, I recognize... It's interesting because I, I worked on it as a PA before right. ever watching it. And then I started watching it because everyone was freaked out that I was working on this amazing show. And I was like, well, I, maybe I am. I don't know. I'll watch it. And I recognized the humor coming from the same place. It is the same, yeah. But it, it worked. St- why? Um, I, I think maybe be, I think it benefited from being single camera docu style, so that the awkwardness and the painfulness and the pain that he causes other people is more real and more evident, and it lingers on that a little bit longer. Whereas a multi-camera sitcom is like, they say something shitty, they shit on someone and you hear a laugh track. And you're like, I don't think that's funny. I think they just shit on that guy. <laughs> and that guy doesn't have a voice. Whereas in Curb Your Enthusiasm, they kept casting people reacting to Larry David. Like, Larry, what the fuck are you doing? This is <laughs> fucking bullshit. Right. He, he ends up losing. Right. Most yeah, of the time. They, they, they don't, they, they gave the, my, they, they cast someone who had my point of view in Seinfeld who was telling them to stop behaving that way, whereas right. no one, in, they, they just enabled each other. Like, even the other characters in, in Curb, Jeff Garland and Susie... Um, 
really nice woman whose name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It was always nice to me. Can't remember her name. Um, every, all the other characters called them out too. Whereas in Seinfeld, you had this team of four people who enabled each other and were shitty to each other and everyone else. And no one called them out. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that it's the, the resolution of mm. the, in Curb that made it so. And the enjoyable. acknowledgement of like, okay, this you're, is where you're coming from, but this is why it's not okay. Right. And, and also there's also the delight of like, he, he, uh, you know, we, we were always faced with these decisions. Like, what if I just, what if I just, can I get away with this? And most 99% of the time we go, no, this is, wouldn't be cool, but he does it, you mm-hmm. know, and he suffers the consequences, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, it, it, I guess I could identify more with, with those choices as opposed to a bunch of like jaded people who all sort of act the same. Right. Um, I tried Battlestar Galactica. There, that's the one. Two or three times. That's the one. I've watched that multiple times. Don't get it. I can't, I can't get past the pilot. And we've talked about pilots and how they're their own beasts. And a lot of times the show doesn't find its voice in its stride and the cast doesn't gel until you know, episode two, three, four, five, sometimes not until the second season. Those early episodes of Buffy are pretty hard to watch. But, um, well, that's not true. But uh, I could not get past the pilot of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I, I've i watched it multiple times, and it, it, I find it humorless and, mm-hmm. um, and just so just like... I, I just don't get the appeal, but people I know who are... St- hilarious writers they love that show they were just mm-hmm. totally hooked on it um so i don't know there's something wrong with us bill one that is worth the hype and that i finally started watching that courtesy the, of amazon prime wasn't the question the wire <laughs> everyone should watch the wire i was just talking about that with season my one episode eight i'm in i'm hooked oh i my love God. it i'm wait fascinated till you get to season three i was just talking with That's my a sister. long time to wait <laughs> yeah, i was wait, talking to my sister last night and she said i just watched season first episode of season three just randomly and it's so good and it is great and uh i met i i did, was in a class with one of the actors in in that uh that season and she was just the nicest person not at all her character and just like you're the best actress ever <laughs> um oh, see. i also used to listen to the hooters before i started playing aaron jordan says tears and whiskeys <laughs> tears and whiskey it's what's for breakfast hashtag nice. fuck cleveland um Chris Brand says, I'm not a fan of some of the big 80s films like Ghostbusters and Robocop. Um, I just did a Easy podcast on Robocop, uh, on uh, Ghostbusters. And it, do- it doesn't, like, I would say that I see, hear what you're saying, Chris, but I think that uh, in the time, it, it was great. Like, if you watch Ghostbusters now, it's paced weird. It's not that as funny as you think and think it would be. And there's some weird, um, really, I remember it just being rapid fire. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's, um, and then the special effects are kind of, well, there's some actually good special effects in there too, but it's um, infinitely quotable though. Um, yes, it is infinitely quotable, but, um, if you want to hear what I have to say about it, go to Stuck in the 80s. And uh, What's Stuck in the 80s? It's a podcast. Uh, well, I, that part I gathered, but I mean, who um, are the players? Oh, it's just, um, there's a, a guy who used to work at the Tampa Bay Times who uh, was the culture editor there. He hosts it, and so we just Skype in and I'll, nice. I'll do the movie things. Um, cool. I didn't know that. And then RoboCop is just, I think it's just fantastic. I think the special effects, uh, do some of the stop motion stuff I don't like because I'm not a big fan of stop motion the way Bill is. I sure am. But um, I just find it just biting. Did and you find so, my... Did you... Did I... 
give you my theory of why I like stop motion so much? Uh, go on. It's because I love action figures. And when you're seeing stop motion, you feel like I could play with that. I could have that and play with that. And I could make it fight my G.I. Joe's. Uh, the Ed 209. I remember, like, yeah. I want the Ed 209 toy. That's so funny. Um, all the way back to Sinbad, the, uh, the classic, uh, Ray Harryhausen skeletons coming out of the ground. I, I just played that. I built a, uh, staircase, temple staircase out of logo, Legos so that I could have my, Guys fight skeletons and fall down. I would draw it all the time. It's it's tangible. It's tactile. You're like I can I can reach into the screen and grab that and play with it. Like that, that's why I like, like titties. Motion. Yeah, that's why I love titties because you can <laughs> grab them and play, play with them. With them. <laughs> um, yeah, but I would RoboCop. I just think is great social commentary. Mm-hmm. There's some just in great action there. There's also infinitely quotable and great comedy. In Bitches there. leave. Yeah. Oh, that guy's. So great. Um, and then he's the dad in that 70s show. Wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And uh, I absolutely love Peter Weller. I, I love him. Buckaroo Banzai, Robocop. I just love him. Naked Lunch. There's a movie I don't get. <laughs> um, Keegan says, there's a lot of dark stuff I can't watch because I get no enjoyment out of them. I need humor or like what Bill said, uh, someone to root for. Um yeah, I mean, dark stuff can be good. I don't know. Um, Lou says, I never got Seinfeld. Maybe it's because I'm British. I guess not, but I guess not. Yeah, we're we're Team Lou. <laughs> um, Keegan says, I fucking hate Entourage. Why? Well, I, I don't think you're alone in that. Um, uh, <laughs> James says, Deep Throat, listless masturbation for me now that I know L- Linda Lovelace <laughs> performed at gunpoint. Wow. I think, I think he's listening to a different podcast. <laughs> um Keegan says, I'll, uh, I'll take corny over depressing every time. I think you can have both. I don't think things need to be depressing for the sake of being depressing. Yeah. And when it is, you can tell it's a total turn off. Exactly. It's the same Um, as like reaching too hard to be broad, to be funny, like trying to be funny. Life is beautiful is a movie that is corny and depressing at the same time. Yeah. There you go. Um, I can't think of a single joke over. (laughs) I can't think of a single time something was overhyped to me says Tyson. Oh, that's good. That's a nice way to be. And um, now we have our last email, and I have not listened to this. Ooh, an, an audio email. Yeah, here we go. Hey, everyone. This is Amy out in Dallas. Hey, Amy. Um, I just wanted to send a voice recording, because I've never done it before, and you guys don't get them as much as you used to, so I just wanted to say hello. Hello. And I was listening to last week's episode, and you guys were talking about uh, movie theater food experiences and just kind of general weirdness in, in movie theaters. And I remember in high school, I grew up in, in Redondo Beach, California, and that South Bay Galleria had AMC, and I don't even know if it's still there. In, I know the gallery is there. I don't think the movie theater's there. But... The uh, my friend they opened a, a Dairy Queen next to the movie theater about three s- stores down, and I had in high school I was the only one who carried a purse because I don't know because skinny girls are trendy and I was a chunky girl with a purse, but <laughs> I remember them all wanting Dairy Queen I think they're blizzards, so yep. that's what I know, um, and they all wanted to bring them into the movie theater so they stacked them like in my purse like four of them 
and and price. then laid a, a foot long Subway sandwich that was cut into four pieces so that we could all eat Subway in the movie theater. Yeah. And I just remember I had to walk so slowly and yeah, balance that's pretty precarious. so carefully so that I didn't end up with a purse full of fucking ice cream. <laughs> Um, and it was insane. I, I to this day that that and when I lived in Las Vegas, my friends wanted to go see Art House Confidential or Art School Confidential. I don't remember which. It had John Malkovich and he yelled a lot. Um, they wanted to see it and they went to the duty free shop liquor store in the Orleans and I had to sneak an entire like the big bottle of Jack Daniels into wow. the movie theater so that they could all play a drinking game during the movie. Because that's the only way you could enjoy that Because that was my job. Um, anyway, thanks so much for the podcast. I, I'm sorry I couldn't hook up with you guys when I when Will and I visited Los Angeles. Uh, maybe time. someday um, we can uh, meet up and I can say hello to all of you in person and, and uh, speak nerd and speak uh, RPGs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with Emily because... And, and talk, talk about the uh, Theatricum Botanicum, which I miss oh. so oh, much yeah. That's right. That's out here. I loved that place and the two years I got to spend there. And uh, I miss it so much. And I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great night. Oh, thank you so much. Amy was... Um, Thanks for fitting us into the purse of your day. Yeah, thank you for recording at, at the wind tunnel. Um, <laughs> it was really good of you to do that. Yeah, um, it's atmospheric. It's like an NPR story. Yeah. It's like the, during the Dallas uh, the Dallas tornado that was coming through, you took the time out to record that. It was really thoughtful. No, uh, no. It was a great story. And um, But I have to say, the Subway, if somebody was eating Subway next to me, I would be mad. That would be rough. That is the stankiest, um, nastiest of the, of the fast foods. South Bay Galleria 16 is still open. You can see Guardians of the Galaxy, Into the Storm, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can give you showtimes, too. <laughs> um, okay, if you want to go Scope see young the, boys in 3D, uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles at 1 p.m. 340. Um, I love I love good movie theater, movie-going stories. Um what was the second part of her thing about uh, drinking game? Oh, drinking game. Yeah. So, Art School Confidential is is a terrible movie. <laughs> I that's I think that's the last movie I walked out of. Oh wow! Because uh, it's based on a comic book in uh, by Dan Close, who's one of my favorite. He's I think a fantastic writer, uh, just an amazing writer. Very, and I love his art. I love those comic books and eight ball comic books on Fantagraphics, and uh, I was so excited to see it and. It is uh, Ethan uh, Embry is in it, and it is unwatchable. Um, I would need a, a one point seven five liter thing of Jack Daniels <laughs> to to make it through that. Um, you got uh, yourself a big old purse, girl. Yeah, uh, that's. I got to take. I got to get a man purse just for that reason. Um, well, guys, thank you for the mail sack. That was uh, great stuff. If you want to get more in. Did, was I just eating during the mail sack theme song? I don't remember listening to it. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you were doing. Uh, so get more emails into us at noonerdan. I mean, sorry, noonerpodcast at gmail dot com, and yeah, record something um, and send it to us. We're happy to play it. We love, love, love hearing from you and your stories. Um, in New Mexico, where Emily's from, we've talked about how the uh, 
there's a problem with violence uh, there. It's like an incredibly violent place, um, Albuquerque. And uh, uh, the, there's also a problem with pre- police brutality. Have you ever been arrested, Bill? I have not. Um, anything close? I've, I've been pulled over when I wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, I've been questioned about drugs because I had long hair. Um, I remember the, the fun, nothing, nothing real harassment, but the, the funniest was I had some downtime to kill, uh, between a band practice and some other, something else that I had scheduled. I was in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, home of Bill Watterson of Calvin and Hobbes fame. Mm. Um, and I went and walked on the steps to the base of the falls that, uh, are the cause of all the chagrin and chagrin falls. And I fell asleep on the rock at the bottom and somebody called because they thought I had jumped and died. So I woke up to a cop's boot, like, like tapping, tapping me. In the- okay. I love that he tapped you with a boot as opposed to checking for your pulse. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, like so I woke up vital signs. Like he gotten calls. And of course I had long hair and I was out of it. So there was all this, drug suspicion and he had to call in my id and all this and i thought i'd had i'd been pulled over like three times that year even though i hadn't done anything wrong and, and i was in high school so i had a total chip on my shoulder about like everybody thinks i'm a fucking trouble i got straight fucking a's just because my hair is long i don't drink right, i don't I'm a straight edge i don't i don't like titties yet God, everybody's giving me <laughs> i play I'm with legos girl why does everybody gotta give me a hard fucking time um i didn't give the cop a hard time but i was like boiling inside i was well, so frustrated that's that's the that's the teen angst right right yeah. but i mean nothing i mean that's that's a positive anecdote from my youth and that I, is I, a great I, story can't, can't even approach harassment I, I did have to do the uh the um sobriety test. sobriety test uh you know three years before i ever touched a sip of alcohol because <laughs> the guy just didn't believe me and he pulled me over for running a stop sign which i didn't do because i was a complete nazi about Coming to a complete stop at a four-way stop sign. Yeah. Um, Don't you know that I'm a dork? I'm a yeah, dork. Exactly, exactly. Oh, Just I grew my hair long, and all of a sudden everybody thinks I'm some rebel badass I've trying to break every to law known to man. I've only. <laughs> it was really I, frustrating. I love comic book girls, but I don't masturbate to them. Yet. Why can't you understand that? Why don't you know me better, Dave uh, Eckert? Of um, he had a similar situation. This is in uh, in the city of Deming, and I don't know where that is, in New Mexico. He was uh, at a gas station filling up, and the cop came in and said, you know, you ran that stop sign back there. I got to give you a ticket. And then the police thought that uh, he was walking funny. He was, he was clenching his buttocks. Oh, Jesus. So, you know, he searched the car for drugs. Is it a white guy? Uh, I believe he's a white guy. Hmm, that's um, unusual. Yeah. I mean, it's New Mexico. Ah, right. And uh, so then he arrests him for having apparently clenched buttocks. Oh, my God. And then... Um, he must be bored and damning. Yeah, they, they uh, gave him a thorough search, including two x-rays, three enemas, a surgical colonoscopy. Jesus Christ. And they Just found, admit you're gay and move on. I, I mean, they, he got anally probed eight times. God, what for on a are routine cops or aliens? Stop. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and they implanted a chip in his brain uh, <laughs> through his anus. And <laughs> I love like it's like it's a big. Chip. I was I was uh, abducted by aliens. They put a probe in my chain. I, it, it probe in my brain. I was anally probed. 
So that means it go all the way from the, the mainland. Hell of a um, probe. But uh, so he he sued them, uh, rightfully so, and Absolutely. got one point six million dollars for that. I mean, it's like I think cops ha- has to be part of their training to admit that they're wrong, right? And Jesus, it, look at St. Louis. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, right now there was a, the protests in St. Louis, riots, not protests, riots, riots, riots looting, the full on. Well, that I can't justify the looting but a tanks tear gas but there should be protests against this the i forget the but a 19 year old kid was shot uh multiple times unarmed day, broad daylight yeah um stopped for uh jay jaywalk um and a, he and the report that i heard and i haven't i've not delved far into this so i right. can't get all up on a soapbox but the report that i heard on on npr um was that his and this was someone being quoted who is angry and protesting so i this is not don't go throw a rock through a window because of this. But um, he had his arms up in the air yeah, and I, was unarmed I, in broad daylight and was shot multiple times. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, you, so, sh- you shoot someone once in the knee, maybe, if you have anger problems and they're unarmed in broad daylight and there's witnesses ever. You shoot him once in the knee and you, and you ruin his track career and you somehow get away with it because you're white and he's black. You, should, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Seattle, uh, a few days ago, uh, there was a, a protest for um, uh, in support of Gaza uh, in, in um, at some mall, and some pro-Israel guy just like started. Uh, he rips off his shirt and starts baiting people, and then some guy was walking by, and then you know felt threatened, took a combative stance against this guy who was wanted to fight him and then decided against it. And then the cops came and pepper sprayed the black guy who was, who was just walking by and arrested him and let the other guy go (laughs) and like did nothing to the (laughs) white guy who was trying to stir up trouble. Anybody who thinks this is not a racist country is so fucking wrong. And you, and that everybody, all the protesters like you're arresting the wrong person. You arrest that guy, arrest that guy. And the, and the guy's just like, can I, and he went through the protesters, found all the black ones, and arrested them. Right, and the guy's like, can I just, you know, rinse out my eyes? And then like they just they would not admit that they were wrong. It's like that's mm-hmm. the thing is like, you you have so much power, uh, you don't undermine and that so much ego. Yeah, you actually increase your power if you say, oh my bad. Right, you don't have any drugs in your ass. You know, I. I've gone all the way to the, up to the elbow. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm really, really sorry. Like, um, it's, it's, you're, you're in a better position of power if you have respect. Yeah. And earned respect. Earned respect. Know. Yeah. Fear is different. Yeah. Fear is so much different than respect. Yeah. Um, so what is going on with your movie, by the way, your stop motion movie? Uh, I am headed from here to a follow-up meeting with a production company that's like-minded and loves the script. And um, I won't go into too many details, but uh, there's a good relationship there. And we're going to see what they have to say. See if they can help us get to the finish line without I, funding. I think you should start out with... Um, uh, I really like stop motion animation because I like titties. <laughs> I like titties. Oh, I, I talked about titties in the first meeting. They they know all about oh, how much I like titties. That's um, that's I, I have to say that 
the reason the process might be a little bit slow <laughs> could be about your approach to uh, what. Yeah, it's all dudes. They get it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I have a, an audition to run though. off to as well, so we might end a couple minutes early. So um, I apologize. Can you for handle it? That can you? Well, you have to. Handle Will it. we have ruined your day? Tweet um, in. Yes. Yeah. Please, you guys, tweet in uh, all your stuff to um, at Nooner Dan Marty uh, Nooner Podcast at Gmail dot com, Tuesdaysmornings.tumblr.com. Tyson, thank you for Nooner. for running the Tumblr page solo today. And uh, I want to know, uh, make sure that Darren is okay. So. Uh, Send out good thoughts to Darren, who was in hospital. I see. Notice how I said uh, you, in you, hospital. Yeah, you, you you deferred to his Britishness. Yes, and um, he's not on holiday. He's, he's no. in the hospital. Uh, get in your emails uh, to noonerpodcast at gmail dot com, and also um, our hearts go out to the Williams family. That's a very very sad thing. Um, I imagine. Uh, I mean, we've lost a, a comedy legend, an acting legend. So. Uh, very sad about that. We will be back next week. And uh, safe home to Homeboy's sister. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Uh, please, uh, Peter WG, let us know uh, what else we can do and if, and if that hasn't not resolved itself. Um, so we'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll have uh, other people here too. What are you, what are you saying? Well, no, it's fun. It's always fun to do the one-on-one. It doesn't sound like it. That, that, that's not what I'm getting. Well, that that's not my takeaway. Uh, I'm just worried because we haven't heard from Emily. That's all. I just want to make sure she's okay. I set up I set up a little mic stand for her. It's a very little mic stand <laughs> because she's a little person. Um, she was in good form last week. Yeah, and I I never know. She never confirms. I say, can you please confirm? And actors are flaky. Not not you. Bill. No, I'm not a good actor. Oh. Um, Emily must be amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, people. We will see you next Tuesday. See ya. If that has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.